You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I ask you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, the baptism of the servant. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. The Bible says in verse 9, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The passage here records the first appearance of the Lord Jesus in the word of God since he was seen in the temple at the age of 12. All we know of the next 18 years of his life are summed up by Luke like this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, which reads, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, those silent years of the Lord Jesus were years of mental, physical, and spiritual preparation for his work as Messiah and as Savior. And we're told in verse 8 that Jesus came in those days. Why did Jesus choose this time to make his identity and mission known to men? Well, he came now at this time because the time was right. John the Baptist had blazed the trail as the forerunner of the Lord. John the Baptist's crowds were large and his ministry was at its very apex. Jesus came at this time because John had completed his work and the time for him to decrease had come. And Jesus came because it was God's appointed time for him to be revealed. Now the next phrase says, Jesus came. When Jesus Christ made his public appearance, there on the banks of the Jordan River, it was a moment that changed the world forever. Ever since Adam sinned in Eden, mankind had been looking for a redeemer who would come and reconcile men to God. Since the dawn of time, fallen humanity had waited for the appearance of a perfect man who would challenge sin and Satan to deliver the human soul from the bondage of evil. Every man who has ever lived up to that day was just another fallen soul. Humanity had never been able to produce one who could deliver it from its lost condition. Many thousands of sons had risen and sat on the world, and it held fast. They were held fast in the grip of crushing iniquity. But the day Jesus Christ came, everything changed. When Jesus shows up, nothing remains as it was. Think with me just a moment. And ask Zacchaeus the, and the, Gadaria, the, man, the demoniac from Gadaria and uh, the, the woman with the issue of blood, the three Hebrew boys, Daniel, Saul of Tarsus, Simon Peter, and any of those lives that he impacted with the word of God. 
Now today we want to look at these verses and consider the events surrounding the, bab the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some great blessings here in these verses if we'll take the time to learn and glean from them. Now in verse 9, I would have you see very first from the onset, we have the appearing of the Son. As I've already mentioned, this is the first recorded appearance of the Lord Jesus in 18 years. And when he appears, he comes to John the Baptist to be baptized by John. Now verse 4 tells us that John's baptism was the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. In other words, the people who came to John were publicly confessing their sins and submitting to baptism as a symbol of their changed lives. So why was our Savior, our perfect Lord, why was Jesus baptized? When he came to John for baptism, Matthew tells us that John at first refused to baptize the Lord. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 15. John and Jesus were cousins. John probably knew the kind of life that Jesus had lived. And John knew that if anyone was holy, it was the Lord. But Jesus said, suffer, Matthew 3 and verse 15. Suffer to be soul now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. The phrase in Matthew 3 and verse 15 to fulfill all righteousness means that Jesus was baptized to fulfill every ordinance of God. In other words, God was working through John the Baptist in those days and Jesus desired to identify himself with everything that was of the Father. Now, Jesus did not come to John to confess sins. He had none. He did not come to John to confess his sins and be baptized to signify his repentance. Jesus had no sin that needed to be repented of. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 1 Peter 2, 22. The word of God clarifies and substantiates beyond a reasonable doubt that our Savior was and is to this day perfect and sinless. Jesus was baptized for several reasons. I want you to allow me to point some of those out to you. From the onset, how to preface this. When Jesus presented himself for baptism, he was making a public declaration of some very important facts. Number one. Jesus was baptized to identify with John the Baptist ministry. Now look again what John had been preaching in verses 7 and 8 of this chapter. Jesus came to John to place his divine seal on what John had been saying. John had been preaching to the people this message. The kingdom of God is at hand. The Messiah is coming. Jesus came to be baptized of John to say to John and the people, I am the Messiah. 
Secondly, I would point out that Jesus was baptized so that John would know that Jesus was the Messiah. You need a proof text if you want to call it that. John chapter 1 and verse 33 and Mark chapter 1 and verse 10. We cannot deny the fact that that John knew and he would know it would be extremely validated that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. Third, he was baptized to signal the beginning of his public ministry. So the baptism of the Lord Jesus was a public declaration that he was in fact the promised Messiah and that he was the Savior sent to reconcile God and man. My friend, nothing has changed. Jesus Christ is still the only way to God. John 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In his baptism, Jesus was willing and publicly accepting the mission he had been given by his father. Now, Jesus had entered this world for the sole purpose of carrying out God's plan to redeem sinners. Jesus came to offer the kingdom to Israel and to offer his life on the cross as a ransom for sin. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, John chapter 18 and verse 37. Israel rejected the offer of their Messiah. But God accepted the offering Christ made on the cross. Jesus left the dark shadows of obscurity to embark on his public mission to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Now, he also here is appearing in demonstration. The baptism of Jesus also served to allow him to identify with the very people he came to save. Every one of those people who came to John for baptism was looking for a new life. They were looking for forgiveness of their sins and for a personal relationship with God. And Jesus Christ came to give those very things to lost people. He was born in a human body so that he might live among us and die for us. He was baptized to identify with us. His baptism identified him with the fallen race he came to save. His baptism also pictured his own death and resurrection. And just as the waters of muddy Jordan flowed down there to their burial in the Dead Sea, the days of Jesus' life were leading him toward the, the date that he had with death. When Jesus submitted to John's baptism, he was picturing what would happen to him in the very near future. He would enter death on the cross, and he would rise again in the resurrection. He knew that he was heading toward a baptism called death. Thus, Jesus Christ was demonstrating his solemn resolve to lay down his life on the cross for our sins. 
Friends, I want to say, thank God he came for us. We were doomed and headed to hell, and we could not have saved ourselves. Jesus left the glories of heaven to live and die in this cruel world, identifying himself with us so that we might be born again. Reminds me of an illustration. There was a grandfather who entered a child's bedroom and a wide grin brightened his kind and warm face. Davy, he said, spreading his arms for a hug. Grandpa, shrieked the delighted two-year-old from his playpen. Grandpa, hug, grandpa, hug. Sure, I'll give you a hug, Davy, said the grandfather. And with that, the old man reached out to his grandson. And he scooped him up out of the playpen. And he started snuggling the young tyke in his strong arms. After a big hug, the grandfather set the boy down outside the playpen amongst his toys. And they began to play together. Minutes later, the boy's mother walked in the room and said, Davy, you know I put you in the playpen because you've been naughty. You shouldn't have told Grandpa to take you out. Davy's eyes puddled up and he began to cry. The grandfather immediately, instantly felt terrible and he didn't know that his, his grandson had been given a timeout in the playpen as a punishment. Now he'd made a bad situation even worse for his little grandson. Grandpa, play with me, the boy said in a pitiful voice that broke the old man's heart. But the mother was unbending. She said, Davy, you know, you have to get back in that playpen. She lifted the boy up and she put him back in solitary confinement. The boy wailed in despair. What could the grandfather do? He knew he couldn't overrule the boy's mother. But his heart went out to that poor child. And then the grandfather had an idea. Dad, cried out the mother, what on earth do you think you're doing? The grandfather said, the only thing I can do. And he climbed into the playpen with his grandson. The child was being punished, and rightfully so. The only way the grandfather could show mercy to the boy was by descending to Davy's situation and taking Davy's punishment onto himself. And that is what happened in your life and mine the day Jesus Christ came. Jesus walked into the wilderness of our lives, becoming one of us, accepting the restrictions of life in human form, accepting our punishment, suffering our pain. Jesus came so that we could have life, abundant life. By the way, Jesus was also setting the example for his people. If he saw the need to be baptized to signal the beginning of his new ministry, he expects us to be baptized to show the world that we have died to our sins and been raised to a new life in him. Verse 10, I would show you the anointing of the Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, a strange thing happened. And Mark tells us that the heavens opened. And the Spirit in the form of a dove descended on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The words heaven open literally mean that the, the heavens were rent asunder. Through this tear in the heavens, the Spirit of God descended on the Lord Jesus in a visible form. We need to take a moment and consider the Holy Spirit, what he did in the life of Jesus. And these verses help us glean a little understanding of their relationship. First, we have a picture of sacrifice. The Bible says that, that the Spirit came in the form of a dove. The dove was the offering of the poor man, according to Leviticus chapter 5, verse 7. Two turtle doves were the offering given by Mary and Joseph when they presented Jesus as a baby in Luke chapter 2 and verse 24. In the minds of the people, doves were associated with sacrifice. Thus, when Jesus came into this world, he came to live a life of self-sacrifice. He did not come to live for himself. He came to live and die for others. The Spirit of God anointed Jesus for a life of self-sacrifice. Doves are birds that are associated with peace, gentleness, and humility. These were all attributes that marked the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus. Don't forget that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. He could have entered this world as a man of war, power, and judgment. Instead, he came as the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9 and verse 6. He could have come to destroy the world and condemn sinners. Instead, he came to die on the cross so that he might convert sinners. He could have called the fire of God down from heaven to incinerate all the enemies of God. Instead, he absorbed the fire of God's wrath in himself on the cross so that sinners could be saved. When the Spirit of God anointed Jesus. He anointed him for a life of self-sacrifice. But it was also for a preparation for service. Now we may wonder why Jesus, who was God in the flesh, needed the Holy Spirit. Did he not possess all the power of the Godhead? Yes. Was he not God in the flesh? Yes. Was he not the creator of the universe incarnate? Yes. Well, why did Jesus need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed the power of the Spirit of God because he did not come into this world to live as God. He came in this world to live as a man. Now when God made Adam and gave him dominion over the earth, Adam sinned and brought all of creation under the curse of sin, Romans 5.12. Jesus came as the second Adam. He came to do what the first Adam failed to do. He came to live his life as a perfect man. And while he was here on this earth, Jesus laid aside his glory and the independent use of his divine prerogatives. Theologically, that's known as the kenosis. And that's found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. He needed the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that. Everything Jesus did, he did as a spirit-filled man. And as a spirit-filled man, he lived a perfect life. He satisfied the just demands of God's law. 
He perfectly kept every rule and regulation. Then as a man, he went to the cross to die so that he could shed his innocent blood, perfect blood, as the atonement for our sins. The life of Jesus sets a tremendous example for the rest of us. We'll never live perfect lives because we have something Jesus did not have. That's a sin nature. We sin, we fall short, but if we yield to the power of the Spirit of God and allow him to fill our lives as we are commanded, Ephesians 5.18, he would manifest the fruit of the Spirit in us, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, and we would live lives of power that would bring glory to the name of God. When Jesus was here, he said in John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now Jesus was filled with the Spirit of God. When he ascended back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell every one of his saints. Now there is the potential for every person who is saved to live a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled life. And when we do, we glorify him. When we carry out his work, we accomplish much in this world when we're filled with the Spirit. And we need to seek his face for the filling of the Spirit of God. Don't misunderstand me. When you're saved, you're given the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. When he takes control of your life, he will not make you talk funny or act crazy or look stupid. He will cause you to be more like Jesus. I've never been filled with the Spirit of God and wanted to jump up and act like I'm crazy. He will cause you to be more like Christ and he'll be able to use you in greater ways than you've ever been used than you could ever imagine. He will use us like he did Jesus Christ and that is he will cause us to live lives of self-sacrifice. He will cause us to live lives that bring honor and glory to our Lord Jesus. But then there's also perfection of the scriptures. The Spirit came on Jesus to fulfill the ancient prophecies concerning the Messiah. The Old Testament prophets said that the Messiah would be a Spirit-filled man. We do not have the time to go to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, but that validates and proves and prophesies that Jesus would be a Spirit-filled man. The Jews were looking for the Messiah Their teachers had told them that his inauguration would be spectacular. In the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs, the testimony of Levi, uh, chapter 18, verses 6 through 8, that's extra-biblical literature that's not inspired by God, but we use for historical reference. It says, the heavens will be opened, and from the temple of glory, sanctification will come upon him with a fatherly voice, as from Abraham to Isaac, and the glory of the Most High will burst forth upon him, and the spirit of understanding and sanctification will rest upon him in the water, for he shall give the majesty of the Lord to those who are his sons in truth forever. Now, When the events of Jesus' baptism occurred, the Jews would have recognized these signs as fulfillment of the prophecies connected to the Messiah. But what else did this do? Thirdly, I would point out to you in verse 11, we have the approving of the Father. The third event that occurred when Jesus was baptized was the voice of the Heavenly Father coming out of heaven. When God spoke his voice, 
He voiced his approval of Jesus as his son. The word thou can be stated as thou and thou alone. And this identifies Jesus as the only begotten son of God. The word art means have always been. Jesus did not become pleasing to the Father just because he got baptized. Jesus had been eternally pleasing to the Father. There had never been an instant when he was not pleasing to his Father. The word beloved indicated the special bond of love that exists between God the Father and God the Son. And let's consider this pronouncement by the Father as he watches the baptism of his Son. God was expressing his approval of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. Three thoughts from this one verse. Number one, it was public approval. The Father was letting John the Baptist and everyone else know who heard him speak He was letting them know that he was pleased with his son Jesus. He was placing his divine seal of approval upon the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. This would not be the last time the Father would speak to let people know, to let everyone know that Jesus had his approval. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I will please hear ye him. When God says that he is pleased in the Son, he's saying a lot. The word pleased means to find pleasure. For 4,000 years, God had been looking down on humanity, and all that he had seen was sin, failure, and weakness. When he looked at Jesus, he saw holiness, perfection, and strength. When God speaks, he lets the world know that his Son, Jesus, and his ministry has his seal of approval. It was also personal approval. When God spoke that day, he was speaking for the benefit of the Son. For 30 years, the Father had been watching Jesus as he grew and matured. He watched him interact with Joseph and Mary. He watched Jesus as he interacted with his half-brothers and half-sisters. He watched him at home, in the synagogue, on the playground, in the town, in the country. The Father had seen Jesus every day of his life. He was watching him in the secret place as he prayed. He listened in on every conversation. He read every thought. He heard every word and now after 30 years of observation God passes his verdict on the earthly life of Jesus and God looks at him and says I am well pleased Jesus was God in the flesh but he was also human just like any child he needed the father's approval and when he heard these words from heaven the resolve in his soul to carry out the will of the father must have been greater than ever also it It was a profound approval. When God pronounced his approval of the Son, he was also voicing his approval of all those who are in the Son. When a person is saved, the righteousness of Jesus is imputed to them. Romans 4, 22 and through 24. In other words, when God looks upon a redeemed saint of God, he does not see our vile sins. He sees his son and his holiness. He looks at us, though he, we have never sinned. How is that possible? It's possible because when God saves us, he justifies us as well. That is, he puts our sin away from us forever. He declares us to be righteous when he sees us. He does not see our wretchedness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Listen to me. 
That is only true if you are in Jesus. That is why Paul said that he wanted to be found in him, Philippians 3 and verse 9, because in him there is no condemnation, Romans 8 and verse 1. In him there is salvation, John 3, 16. In him there is a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. In him there is eternal life, John chapter 10 and verse 28. In him there is acceptance, John chapter 6 and verse 37. In him there is hope. There is help. And thank God there is a home for us in glory. 